You are listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg, and today I'm joined by my co-host Rahul. Let's go! everyone and welcome to ace comicals episode number 79 we're back and it's 2020 and i still don't have my flying car um i mean like we are we were just discussing this before the cast that we are now firmly in like cyberpunk future territory this is like the year that they were writing in the stories that we were reading when we were kids like oh man flying cars in 2020 yeah, we've passed the disappointment event horizon, and we have none of the things we were promised. <laughs> it's like becoming an adult all over again. I know, right? <laughs> I don't. I, I think. I think we. It's just being kept from us. I, I think it's it's all there in Area Fifty One. <laughs> Elon Musk like keeping it all to himself. <laughs> oh man, he can he can keep his low poly vans. I'm not interested. <laughs> I don't want to drive around in a fucking PlayStation car. Like, <laughs> you don't, you want, uh, don't want to drive around in a Lego wedge? Come on. A, thir- a 32-bit vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing in our 2019 energy ragging on Elon Musk. Sorry, let's... <laughs> it's, not, it's not even fully 3D, that car, you know. It's, it's <laughs> just like it's on an isometric plane, so it looks 3D. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. It's just a bicycle behind a, yeah. like a cardboard <laughs> platform. <laughs> it's like those trees in some uh, Sega Saturn or PlayStation racing games where it's like the tree... You can is only ever see them. Yeah. It's a cardboard standee, so the tree has got like... Um, it's like two, two tree, two of the same shape, like crossed over, like when you make a cardboard standee, <laughs> <laughs> or like the crowd in a wrestling game, where even from the back it looks exactly the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, so we're past the event horizon of disappointment. It is twenty twenty, and we don't have any of the things we were promised. The singularity hasn't happened, but there's still comics. So, um, joining us today. Uh, we have Marv helping us kick off 2020. Hello, everyone. Good to be here again. Uh, Rahul returns. Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. But Leon isn't feeling very well today, so unfortunately we don't have Leon. Um, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, this year we're hoping to go in a slightly different direction with Ace Comicals. We're hoping to be a little better and a little different. So this year's casts going forward are going to focus more on technique and mechanic within comics. Uh through discussion of some of our favorite creative teams runs or series uh we are going to be doing the reviews still we are going to be doing reviews of new and interesting books that will hopefully be hitting the stands of your lcs um in short we're dialing back the reviews a little and looking to dive deep into some of what we believe uh is the best that comics has to offer so we're kicking this year off by going to the sweet place uh this is going to be a long overdue deep dive into the towering Sunday that is ice cream man. Um, and, uh, helping us with that. As I say, we've got our guest Marv today. Um, so yeah, I think we can say that this is a firm favorite of Ace Comicals ice cream man. And, um, that we all definitely have a sweet tooth for it. Don't we? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the uh, the image anthology series that I can safely say has had me hooked since day one, and I think has probably had you guys hooked as well, right? Oh yes, 
Yes. So, yeah, I think we, you and I, especially Greg, have uh, pontificated very often about how much we like this book. Yeah, we we pretend to be all like smart and stuff when we talk about Ice Cream Man, don't we? <laughs> we pretend not to be the Ice Cream. <laughs> we used to be the Image Cast, and now we slowly became the Ice Cream Man Cast, and we've had to clean ourselves off. But this this is our opportunity to purge, right? To like let out all yeah. the internal yeah. screams we've been keeping about Ice Cream Man. Yeah, this is our opportunity to sit down in our wingbacks and enjoy our vanilla lickety splits. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, kick this off with the fact that there are 16 issues currently available and uh, 17 is on the horizon. Um, four volumes. Uh, all of them are available on Comixology or in print. Um, I actually... I mean, I own all of these in single issues, but because I've been I've been buying them single issues, I've got it on my pull list. I've had it on my pull list since day one. Um, but I've I've actually recently repurchased these uh, digital, so that I didn't have to get the single issues out because my tablets made me lazy. <laughs> um, so I totally feel that energy. I hate like yeah. I love I love having it's like having your cake and eating it. I love having comics, yeah. but I don't like actually reading those paper comics. It's so much easier to just pull my iPad out and. Do that, so I'm. I fully respect yeah. your decision to go digital. But what I didn't realize was the amount of like back matter and things you actually get in the collective volumes. Mm. Um, a lot of stuff that was missing that that well, I wouldn't say missing. A lot of stuff that wasn't in the single issues, like at the back of these collective volumes, like uh, script breakdowns and all sorts of stuff like that, which I found really fun to look at, especially for specific issues. Um, um, let me just ask because. Um, yeah. I know you're mentioning that for the collected um, volumes, but the single issues on Comixology is what I've had because um, I've subscribed to it on Comixology. And at the back of each issue, it's got some um, like character sketches and stuff like that. Is it, is that in the um, in the single oh. issue uh, physical ones as well? The character sketches and things. Hmm. It is occasionally, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I'm not sure if... Uh, you've got me there, actually, you know, because... <laughs> I haven't been a, bought... Yeah. I've been buying the print ones. I haven't actually flipped through them for a while, but I believe the ones in Comixology are basically the same uh, yeah. front-to-back reproductions of the paper yeah. issues. Uh, okay. I can't speak for the volumes, though. I think they have yeah. they do have different content in them. So, or I think the volumes may collate a different they, set of the post... or like, the yeah. end, of, end of issue stuff. Hmm. Um, I don't know if the single issue of, um, I mean, we're going to get onto this later, but there's an issue that begins in Spanish. Yes. Uh, does the single issue version of that, because I don't know if it did in print or not, because I remember finding the translated cheat sheet at the back and thinking, oh, cool. Oh, I don't um, think I'd seen that. So I, no, yeah, I don't think I've seen yeah. that either. And that was in the collected volume. But I mean, like what I was doing when I was reading it in because I read that physical, what I was doing is I was using Google Translate and I was using the thing where you can hold your camera in front of it on your phone. Oh, OK. Oh, smart. And it, yeah. it like translates it so you can see the I'm, I'm, I'm reading the comic through my phone's camera lens and holding the camera over the speech bubbles and it translates mm. the speech bubble in real time. Well, I guess we can all agree that there are just a couple of things that we don't have to be disappointed about in this brave new world then. I was going to say, we do have some of the things we've been promised. Like, somewhat disappointing Babelfish. Like, it yeah. doesn't always translate things well, but yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not the universal translator that we see in movies, but it'll do. It'll do, <laughs> for now. But yeah, I mean, uh, so, like, what I wanted to dive into mainly with this is 
what is it that makes Ice Cream Man special? Like the inner workings of the book and what sets it apart from other horror titles on the shelves right now and makes it ridiculously and thoroughly fresh. Um, and just as a, you know, as a fantastic anthology series that it is. So basically what the premise is with Ice Cream Man, in case you haven't heard us talk about it before on this cast or um, you haven't picked up the book or anything like that, is the fact that we have this, um, I don't know whether to call him a demon or a god or a cosmic being, this uh, this Ice Cream Man who appears to be in the background of each tale or involved in each tale in some way and is the purveyor of sweet treats, which I guess he's the purveyor of sweet misery, I guess, if that's the right way to put it. That's a a great way to put it. Yeah. So um, he, he, he is there in the background and he seems to be orchestrating this or pulling the strings on all of this. And each story um, follows a completely different set of characters. I mean, you get some callbacks and some returning characters throughout the series, um, but each story generally follows um, a completely different set of characters or a completely different person through uh, some kind of existential horror or crisis. Um, and the horror with this uh, particular series, the thing that keeps it unique is the fact that it is so close to home. It's existential horror that we've all experienced in some way, shape or form. Maybe not as extrapolated as it is in the pages of these comics, but some of the thoughts and feelings that are in there, some of the things that these people have dealt with and whatever, it's it's things you can fully imagine happening. Mm. And it's not it's not particularly outlandish. And so, I mean, it gets there, but it's not in a way it's not particularly outlandish is it it's just that's just how it is no it does the wonderful thing where it sort of runs the gamut so it's like yeah you know you could have an issue where it's just a very small personal thing like i i know we're going to get to it and get to the issues and stuff but the uh the the issue with the rock and roll guy oh like, yeah yeah that, that's that's quite possibly the very smallest um uh, personal sort of drama slash tragedy that is disp- depicted in the series but it's as poignant as some of the more outlandish ones where uh, you're sort of spanning bigger things again mm. without jumping too far ahead well you, you've got the one with the heroin addicts as well yeah yeah which is a, yeah. a similar line like issue two that is with the um you've got a story about uh, heroin addiction hmm. yeah i but, would um, i would describe yeah. it as an anthology of insidious thoughts both small and large yes. like small in scale and large in scale both in the personal way and also the ramifications on society at large as yeah. well and the all of the issues can can bounce around both those types of themes or that scale as you know between episodes yeah. it's yeah it's very cool that way but yeah. like at its most grand it's truly original and frightening in the way that it plays with horror on a cosmic scale like it explores the true dichotomy of bad and good and this recurring line that you get i mean it's popped up a couple of times you can't kill an idea mm. yeah I've, I've got that particular line written down in my notes yeah as well. <laughs> yeah because it's like the idea the, it's like um i'm not sure if you can really call it an idea because i'm thinking i'm thinking along the lines of how people think like the way my brain works when i fall into a funk or a depression um and <clears throat> the bad music as it is in these comics um 
the bad music that plays that that is the the bad music that is the tune that you kind of dance to when you're in that kind of funk when you make bad decisions when you you feel awful about yourself and you start to think these awful things about yourself which is really represented I... by the the tinny sound that the ice cream truck makes as it passes exactly yeah yeah and and it's you you flock to that noise don't you like you would flock to an ice cream truck and um it's it's less an idea and like uh, more an intrusive thought i guess but they're not they're not really ideas they're con, con- concepts so they i mean I, I would say they're more concepts and it's like you cannot kill the concept of bad and good and they are eternal and mm-hmm. and this is this is the these are the universal constants that this comic kind of plays with um and like at its its largest like most extrapolated which i think is during volume 3 hopscotch melange um it goes to a time older that and, and beyond our understanding and then jumps right into the future and just shows you the full length and breadth of how this thing will be eternal it will always be eternal there will always be bad music mm. and there will always be something to challenge that as well because it's not completely without hope because what's horror without hope Mm. but yeah um so all of this also seems to take place in a fictional place the town of saint generous or the majority of it seems to take place in the town of saint generous yeah yeah um so i mean we should kick this off by going through like what your favorite issues were because we've got 16 issues here and i think we've got a good selection of favorites each across the length and breadth so um ray do you want to kick us off yeah, I think if I had to pick one, I think issue number eight, which is called Emergencies, would be my favourite. Because it, to me, it feels like it's a, a trippy drama. And to me, it's the start of the, to, to pull a, um, a term from TV tropes, it's the start of what I feel is uh, how it starts to grow its beard. Like it becomes more than the things that it presented itself to be in the first four to six issues, I think. Um, in that it cements an overarching story that was only previously hinted at. And just the um, the like terrifying absurdity of some of the imagery we get in that issue is really cool and trippy. And also the the, the pathos of like the, the characters that we follow, which are two, um, uh, I, I don't know what you call them, e- EMT paramedics, yeah. yeah. And yeah. the process that they're going through and like the... Uh, the fact that we follow them through on a very small part of their day and how it, how the issue begins and how it ends and like the forgetful, the forgetfulness of that issue is really interesting. And it's, that's when, I mean, I was already hooked well before this issue came out, but this is when I realized, Oh, this is building to something more. Cause um, one of the things I wanted to say earlier was, I think one of the things that makes ice cream man so unique of all of the other horror comics that we talk about and the, all the other horror comics that are coming out right now is that they do they build pathos in a really interesting way where they consistently provide smaller stories that then turn big um, and like you mentioned greg we follow a string of protagonists who all are inexor- inexorably led to the same doom through infinitely different routes and yeah. i like that this comic didn't reveal its grander plans until this far in because it was almost masquerading as an anthology up until around this point um, so yeah. I think that's why issue eight is my favorite. But yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree because issue eight's on my list and it's the top of my list. Like emergencies is definitely my favorite issue because I just, 
what I love the conversations between uh, the two EMTs as they're doing all kinds of different drugs in the cab of this uh, ambulance and the way that they, um, the way that they justify it and, and like what's happening all over town and how they, how they, they feel so overwhelmed by the amount of bad that they decide not to do anything and themselves inherently become bad. Yeah. And you can't tell if yeah. they're um, blind to what's happening in the town. Cause clearly something has gone wrong. Cause there's lots of violence erupting throughout the entire town, but yeah. either they're blind to it or they're numb to it. And you never quite get a sense of which is which, whether think, they're unseeing yeah. or uncaring or, or whatever, like, you know, well, whatever part in between those two, you know, that yeah. those two ends of the spectrum it is. Well, I think it's it's like they're choosing to become numb to it because you get the mm. whole conversation where they're talking about how um, something that I, I think maybe we've mentioned before on this cast in, in relation to other comics. But um, so if I quote the comic, it's like uh, you scroll and scroll and it's just nasty sentence after one nasty sentence after another, like the Internet, like scrolling mm. through Twitter and all you get is negativity. You wake up in the morning, you boot Twitter up, it's negative. You wake up in the morning, you boot Facebook up, it's negative. It's just it's like you, there's no escape from it. You turn the news on something bad's happening. Mm. Um, and you become desensitized to it. Mm. And then you decide to become numb to it because it's too much and you don't like it. And then it infects you and then you yes. perpetuate it. Yes. Or at least some of the characters in this issue. By becoming, by becoming numb to it and choosing to ignore it, you almost become part of the problem, mm. which is kind of what happens here in this book. But yeah, it's, it's that, um, that closeness to things that we've all felt or thought that runs through this issue, actually, that makes it my favorite. Um, and in the way that it also talks about how there is a conflict and there's a conflict in everyone and you can choose to, to obey one voice or the other. And there's always two voices. There's the voice that tells you to drink the blood of your enemy or there's, there's the other voice that says we are all one. Um, and this is like the difference between the ice cream man and his, his opposite, as it were, his, um, his rival or his mirror image who, I mean, is, it doesn't really, it doesn't get revealed any, any more until the next volume. Hmm. But this is the first volume where we get to see him uh, because he turns up at the beginning this is volume three, by the way. He turns up at the beginning uh, in the first story, which is Ballad of a Falling Man, which is another one on my list of favorites. And he also turns up at the end in Emergencies. And I think what I like, actually, I mean, it's not, this is like a departure from my usual, like um, the usual way that I interact and enjoy horror stories. Because what I like about this isn't necessarily being able to understand what the ice cream man is or, or what his opposite is or what's going on. I, I understand that these are two eternal forces playing a game of chess with humanity. Um, and that's as much as I need to understand. And then what I like actually is the humanness of it. And in the way that it is like that people are, you know, the, 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 the inherent bad in people is displayed within the pages of these books in, quite an interesting and inventive way um and the stories that are told through that and through 
you know, these situations that are somewhat avoidable as well. Like they're not always, they're not situations that are unavoidable all the time, are they? No. No. Um, I mean, Marv, what's, what, what's on your list of favorites? If you give us um, one from your list. Well, yeah, we've already covered them because my favorites, my joint two favorites are um, issue five and issue eight. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and and for very much the same reasons that you've talked about, um, but to sort of um, to add to what you've both been saying, um, a lot of the things that I liked in issue eight, um, and uh, the point that Rahul was uh, t- uh, talking about with um, whether it's they're numb to it, you know, willingly, or if it's something uh, something that they're not aware of, um, I kind of feel that, and th- this is going to be no surprise to Rahul. He's probably seen this coming before we even started the episode. But I got a lot of echoes of um, Stephen King's It, <laughs> because not only you know do you have the, um, and I'm not going to do too many spoilers for it, you know, just general talk. But um, you don't, you know, you not only get the um, uh, the similarities between sort of Pennywise and the entity that Pennywise is and the Ice Cream Man in that. Um, it's very personal horror in each of these stories. It's not just I'm going to turn into something scary or I'm going to do something insidious. It's I'm going to take something that is a deep-seated fear of yours, whether it's an actual fear that, you know, like the the, the werewolf that sucks the cat's um, skin off its bones that <laughs> turns up at the end of um, issue one or <laughs> or like the heroin addicts and, yeah. you know, and, and the rock and roll guy and, and the fear of failure, the fear of all these... Um, intrinsic things that a person is afraid of on a on a in, instinctive level um but it's also the town itself so issue five um is where I, what you were saying rahul where issue eight is where it sort of grows its beard and starts to sort of spread out and become this bigger thing hmm. i think the beginning of that was issue five but issue yeah. eight is where it blossoms so yeah, in issue eight in issue eight, it becomes the entire town and you're, you're, you're physically seeing everyone's just gone nuts. Um, but yeah. in issue five, it's in this tower block that this guy is falling, falling window to window as he's, you know, just committing, you know, in the process of committing suicide. But you see, um, these like the, the, the woman in the, uh, the boardroom and, you know, Veronica's telling her to get out and she's like, I'll get out. You know, I don't care if the whole Cincinnati zoo's in here. I'm not going until I get my pay, my back pay. And her eyes are literally being eaten by vultures. And she's like, hmm. I'm going to have to call you back, Jan. Because it's like, at that point when you're reading it, you're like, is this surreal? Is this is this what's legitimately happening? Or hmm. are we seeing a version of like Veronica's panic? But then by the time you get to issue eight, you realize that, yes, certain people in the town are blind to how bad things have gotten some people are living their lives and just uh you know taken advantage of by the ice cream man but apart from when the ice cream man enters their life everything's fine but then there are other people like the um the couple the 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 lesbian couple where the the um one of the partners has set fire to the house and they're having an argument in the middle of a burning house yes it's it's so it's so overblown, but it's also, again, much like it, it's doing the thing where it's an argument that a, cu- a couple would have, but because they are in this town, which is very yeah. much like the town of Derry and it, it's so overblown that it, it could be happening in the burning house where neither of them are trying to escape because the, the influence of the ice cream man and the influence of the town are just sort of magnifying it so much. Mm. And, and that that spreads on to you know Rick and Caleb and the dichotomy of those two as well. You know you've got this 
elemental force of you know it's not so much like pennywise it fears on fear but it feeds the ice cream man seems to feed and you know be the embodiment of just pure negativity yeah and then then caleb Caleb is pure positivity yeah and so you've got this um with the um gosh what's the volume called again sorry um where you you yes with hopscotch for lunch you've got this wonderful thing where you're, you're shown the beginnings of their relationship or not the, the beginnings, but for our sakes, the beginnings of their relationship yeah. um, all the way to what could conceivably be the end of time or the end of humanity. Um, but it's not the end because at the end of that one, it's on to the next one. <laughs> exactly. And that leads me into an idea that I had about the series as well, which is choice. It kind of feels like they're going from universe to universe and negativity and positivity are playing out. And it seems like every time the ice cream man wins, everybody ends up going to the sweet place. Everything goes to shit. And then Caleb just says onto the next one. We'll see if it goes right the next time because he's waiting for some shift to happen where people make the right choices. But the point of the sweet place is it's the sweet place. People (laughs) have a sweet tooth and people almost like, I mean, the, the the old saying that misery loves company and people enjoy, to some extent, feeling sorry for themselves hmm. or or being so, like, it's, um, I mean, in that boardroom scene that you mentioned where the woman's eye has been eaten out by the vulture, it's like literally selfishness. <laughs> it's like, she's like numb suffering. to her own. Yeah. 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 She's, she's like, I'm suffering and, and, you know, it's just my selfishness or whatever. And she's she is being fed upon by the ice cream man. Yeah. By this force. And that is represented in the fact that the vulture is eating her. Um, And like, I just want to actually just talk about some of the technique in that issue, actually, because Ballad of a Falling Man is my favorite for another reason. And it's my favorite for literally the first page is a absolutely amazing perspective shot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed it, but like when you just look at the first page and you've just got this like beautiful perspective shot of all these buildings. Oh God. Yeah. I've just opened it. Back yeah. Up and, and... and you get vertigo looking at, if you're scared of heights, that page <laughs> could set you off. I'm not joking. Cause yeah, that is fantastic. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like you, just this, 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 like it, it perfectly conveys like the feeling of vertigo and the feeling of being so small atop such a huge high thing. Like if you look at the scale there, like the scale of the, the 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 guy standing on the edge compared to the 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 width and the 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 height of those buildings and how you know he like just just how dwarfed he is by it and, and then obviously we've got these vertical panels, this technique where um, they do this a lot in Ice Cream Man, actually, where they have one page and then they lay panels over a larger image. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got these like beautiful vertical panels where it's him falling. And you never lose throughout the whole thing, throughout all the scale. And even when we see uh, the boardroom and he's there falling past the window <laughs> uh, in the background of like the the, uh, the the sort of overarching panel, as I'll call it, in the boardroom before we get the other images of the woman on the phone and the vulture. Um, it's like you never lose sight of the perspective and of the size and the scale of the building throughout the whole thing. That seems to be like an overarching thing mm. that has that has kept going throughout the issue. It keeps yeah. your eye moving from the top to the bottom of the page. Yeah. Your, your yeah. eyes are constantly falling. 
yes, that's it. You're falling with him. Mm-hmm. And even actually the bit where, um, where Valerie is, uh, well, maybe it's Valerie. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> running down the stairs. Veronica. Yeah. Same difference. Where she- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just clicks. Sorry. Carry on. I was making a funny. No, yeah, no, it was good. Like, where she's running down the stairs. Yeah. The uh, the full page where she's running down the stairs and it shows you like the staircase, like mm. sinking all the way to the bottom. Mm. That's and a even... trippy vertigo shot as well. Yeah, mm. exactly. It's perfect. Mm. It's just absolutely perfect. And like the just the construction of of this issue alone, based on the perspective and scale with these beautiful falling shots and everything, and then like ending with street pizza. um like the page well the page before street pizza um where we've got like these uh these panels as he's falling and getting smaller yeah and less significant to the point where he's almost nothing and then he is nothing Hmm. like he's fading out like just yeah such a beautifully put together issue and i think i think that's that that's what makes it one of my favorites as well the fact that it's just so spot on with all of that well, I think of this issue, I think one of my favorite pages is when, like you said, you've got the 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 background shot happening uh, behind three other panels that are stripped in like in verticality. Is and... it the one where you've got the purple background by any chance? Yes, one hundred percent that one. <laughs> yeah, because I like that before that you have um, it's quite structured and ordered, and you have that sense of falling from the top and like the that building momentum that you have at the very start of a jump, and mm. you get to you you see the the ground as it's approaching you can see your destination but in this one everything's really um surreal surreal discombobulated like he's twisted in midair and you get that sense of being halfway through his descent Mm. and um like his perspective being manipulated and the fact that the color's gone all strange and the panels that overlay the background aren't even consistent to themselves either and it it shifts the um the technique he'd they've been using up until this point and i really like that sense of dislocation this page gave me that's Mm. him talking about falling in reverse because he doesn't know whether he's still high or not from all the drugs he did in the 70s exactly yeah preceding page has got chimps in accounting which is perfect yeah (laughs) (laughs) just in case you thought it was a little too grounded Uh yeah exactly (laughs) no but like this this whole like falling up thing when he starts talking about that like closing his eyes and making his eyes go dark and seeing all the colors and stuff it's just like Mm. it's brilliant and then uh, we get like after that you've got like the perspective shots with the hallway Hmm. but i think the whole the, the overarching point of people are tiny and in the grand scale of things insignificant yeah um is perfectly communicated with this issue um and i of the first five issues like that one was was my favorite and then issue eight came along and stole its thunder (laughs) yeah sorry can you finish your point uh i I was just gonna say by being what it is (laughs) and giving us the you know everything else but yeah to follow on from that i think uh the thing i like about issue five is it's the first of what i uh, I was going to use the word gimmick, but I think that's selling it short. I think it's the start of the more conceptual issues that we start getting. So it's uh, stuff like Five, Ballad of a Falling Man. Um, and then we get Six, which is Strange Neapolitan, where it's the one where we follow kind of like uh, like a Run, Lola, Run type situation yeah. where you see the same character um, going through three different like alternate split timelines or universes or whatever. Or, you know, yeah. um, you see three different eventualities that could occur 
in three in a triptych on every single page, um, yeah. which I think is a really interesting concept. And then we get I'm just going to rattle off a couple more, which was number thirteen, which was palindromes, which we uh, talked about in episode seventy, um, and that's the one where uh, you can read the comic both backwards and forwards from both outside yeah. edges, and they meet in the middle. And then number fourteen, which was another one that's also on my favorites list. Uh, which was down and across, which is the one that's kind of laid out like a, a crossword puzzle. And I, yeah. I think that's something that I like is that they're consistently finding new quote unquote gimmicks or concepts to play with. Uh, yeah. And like, which can only be done in this visual medium. And they're, I, they're constantly finding yeah. new ways to do that. I, I don't want to call it gimmicks. Which is why I said I, it in inverted yeah, comics. Yeah. I'm, I'm very careful yeah. not to call it like it's no, not, uh, it's no. not a throwaway thing. They genuinely yeah. put, effort into the artistry of like what can we glean from this concept and then how can we use it to build onto the story as opposed to mm. just being a cool looking thing you know in in the same way this incredibly talented creative team that we have here on ice cream man which i i feel uh in this episode long overdue reading out of names so it's written <laughs> by w maxwell prince the art is by martin morazzo colors are by chris o'halloran lettering by good old neon um and uh it's just yeah i mean that team are ju they're just so consistent throughout the whole series but it's it's almost like these guys are all very accomplished uh, in fact they are very accomplished at their their job in the creation of the comic in their their input um that they can like a jam band a jazz jam band <laughs> i guess mm. where they can start to play and and jam and come start up with new and other. interesting stuff and start riffing off each other yeah and mm. then that's when you get these new and interesting things that they do when they play with the comics format in such a way as to make a comic that you can read forwards and backwards i mean i was saving palindromes uh, <laughs> because i wanted to talk about it in relation to this stuff because um i just love the fact that I love that comic and I love the way that it is perfectly mirrored and you can read it forwards and backwards. And I love what it represents. I think when we talked about it on the cast, um, we talked a lot about how it represents the cyclical nature of grief and intrusive mm. thoughts and how you are standing on the precipice of having an intrusive thought and then you fall through it and you travel through it and then you convince yourself, um, and you come out of the other side of that, of this funk or this this depression or whatever, and then you're standing on the precipice of it again, ready to fall back in like it's a half pipe. And to, to add on to some of the language you yeah. used earlier, because um, I, I, I think one of the points I made in that episode was that it's not perfectly mirrored. And I like that it's you're kind of bouncing back and forth between um, like the bad music and your grief. And then you come you come out of your reverie yeah. and you go through it again you like you go you, you you ping pong back and forth through that process but it's not quite the same each time or it's not quite the same yeah. in reverse and yeah i like that they think through these things and that that issue isn't just it's not quote unquote just mirrored like there's a lot no no it's not it's a swinging pendulum yeah exactly yeah because you've got beginning beginning end end and, and it, it it well they are almost the, the panels are almost the same but it's like you're looking at it in a different way because you're reading it in a different way and the artistry there is that they've managed to create something that when you read it in a different way it's different 
But my point was, was it's not yeah. just narratively. Yeah, uh, no, it's not. It's, not no. put, it's, yeah. it's also not just a like a flipped mirror image of the first yeah. half of the comic. They've no. actually it's done in reverse yeah. shot order as well in terms yeah. of its layout on the page, and that has yeah. its own meaning to it as well. And I I like that it's more than just. Again, I keep using this because it's. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make is that it would be so easy to come up with a quote-unquote gimmick where the first, you know, 12 pages are identical to the last 12 pages. They're just yeah. mirrored and copied twice. But this team has done more than that. They've taken um, more time and more effort and have put more thought into the concept than just mirroring it and added yes. a, a level of thought to to what that can represent. And I, that's mm. why I admire these books so much. It, it, like like a group of accomplished musicians that all possibly play a different style of music, you put them in a room together and they jam, and you get something truly special. Mm, and sure. yeah, and these guys like they they seem to be just having fun with with comics. Like I've never seen the comics medium treated in such a malleable way as I have through the lens of Ice Cream Man. <laughs> like in the way that they do these things with um with page layouts with uh palindromic comics you know it's just like um i mean like when you were talking about uh down and across the crossword puzzle mm. um it, it's laid out in such a way and you've got these panel breaks where it is like the black space in a crossword puzzle or the white space in a black in a crossword puzzle mm-hmm. and they play with with that in in the panels being part of the crossword puzzle and then the way it's written as well, like when it's written, it's it's written like in the form of a crossword puzzle, like key words are answers to clues. And he reads out the clue in the narrative, in the narration, the narrator, he, the narrator being uh, I haven't quite worked out if the narrator is the guy who enjoys the puzzles or if it is the ice cream man. But um in the narration, it's just yeah, yeah. it kind of feels like it's a little bit of both, doesn't it? It yeah, does it in does. this particular issue, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I I quite enjoy the way they represent um anxiety in this issue as well. Mm. The anxiety of the wife all alone left to her thoughts in the house, believing that the contractors are out to kill her. I mean, they could be. We don't really ever learn the truth. It, are they, aren't they? I mean, like, are they are they a bunch of drugged up drifters, you know? Like, uh, or are they are they actually just honest to good contractors? Mm. I guess we'll never know the truth. But the way it represents the way it does her anxiety, where it's like, there's this one point in the book where she uh, she goes out there to chew them out for taking their shirts off, <laughs> and then she turns her back. And this is what this is what I was going to come on to with the lettering techniques that are in use here, because the way they do that, like the difference with the lettering between something that is supposedly just inside a character's head may or may not be Mm. and something that is actually happening or the difference in um like the difference in in the voices like the the voice in the head or the 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 bad voice and the good voice so so like when when the bad music starts like the difference in the bad voice like the way it's got like this kind of like uh black speech bubble with white text this wrinkled edges on it like it's meant to sound rough and uh, or, or it's meant to sound strained and creepy. Um, they do this in Ballad of a Falling Man as well with uh, when he's falling, there's like a point where um, lickety splat, just like that. 
but it's um it's like bouncy lettering almost like the joker's talking uh in a batman comic it's a similar technique to how they convey like the insanity of the joker like the the cadence of his voice and how you're supposed to sound like mark hamill <laughs> when you when it when it's it like, like the joker is mark hamill in my head but then again so this is like this is like mark hamill's joker voice in my head in the way that it's like the cadence of it is because the letters are all slightly off uh like slightly off kilter there's a bounce to it um and it's more of a, a scrawly text face typeface rather than the the clean narr- well, like normal narration face that we get well this panel's like the panel you're talking about in particular um yeah is a really good example of the the entire team working in chorus together because it is yeah you've got the um the the writing which is is paced perfectly to give that sense of anxiety from the two players the two protagonists in this in this issue um you've got the uh, like the layout, which uses the uh, the concept of the crossword puzzle, but sort of like zoomed in in a myopic way, because you don't. It's not immediately obvious that the pauses, the black and white spaces, are from the crossword. I mean, it's obvious when you know the concept, but if you just looked at this page in isolation, you'd think that the black and white squares were um, sort of out of place, blank spots, and they're used perfectly to like paste that. Um, or to check, to affect the pacing because it puts you on edge and it makes you wonder why things are happening, why there's pauses in the action. Um, and then you've got the color work, which suddenly shifts in unison with the shifting, you know, creepy scratched out lettering, which represents the way that she thinks they're talking about her behind her back. And there's a lot of these things yeah. happening in unison together. Um, I think it's a good representation of that team sort of yeah. clearly communicating with each other about, or if not communicating directly, but having an understanding of the things that they're all trying to go for and they they're all leading in the same yeah. direction together and that's that's why i that's why i enjoy that issue because of the way it represents anxiety and the way it represents like the intrusive thoughts and everything else and also yeah. in the way that it um it does uh it ends on a hopeful note i was gonna say um one this this issue comes back to what i was saying with the um the underlying thing of choice and hope because um the whole issue it it feels like the ice cream man whatever or whoever he is is trying to push these two people apart in the most horrible and visceral way possible you know he's filling this guy's head with like all of the anxieties that he has, whether they're real or not about her cheating on him, about them not being good together, about all this stuff. And at the same time, it's like winding her up into a frenzy where she's ready to kill what she thinks are attackers. And it's like either he kills himself because of all the bad thoughts in his head, or he gets home and Rita kills him thinking that he's one of the attackers. And either way, mm-hmm. win-win, the ice cream man gets another guy for the sweet place. But in yeah. the end, they take a different path and they end up getting, uh, you know, being closer together than they have been in years and, you know, str- scratched that up as a loss for the ice cream man. But it's because of tiny little choices that they made throughout the issue. Well, yeah, it's him making the choice to put the gun down and go home. Hmm. And, yeah. I mean, she pulls the trigger, but it's almost like... Her heart wasn't shot- in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, you don't you don't really know whether she missed on purpose or whether she just missed that shock when she saw him come through the door or what. But <laughs> yeah, it's luck, um, I suppose. Yeah, if it's luck, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the end of the issue that the final the final line is good luck, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, uh, this uh, one last point for this issue is it has my favorite line, I think, of everything I've read so far in Ice Cream Man, where um, I think the concept is they're talking about filling in a crossword, filling the grid. And the quote is like a maggot traveling the length of a corpse's body, which yeah. there's something about that. They're just normally I'm not that affected by like um, like visual prose that way. But there's something about the concept of a maggot traveling the length of a body that's in the state of like falling apart that just there's something in it that just makes my gut squirm it's really it's really effective writing for me at least yeah i i love stuff like that i really See, do that that's why i mean i don't know if we're ready to get onto you know i don't there isn't a real order for the order that we're talking no, about no. issues but um you know, I, I love issue one because um, uh, Strange Neapolitan is it was the other one that was in my list of three that I picked because I tried to narrow it down as much as I could. Um, of your favorites, you mean? Yeah. Right. Right. Because uh, obviously the entire series is my favorites, but five, five, <laughs> five and eight were tied. And then Strange Neapolitan was like a close second. Um, mm-hmm. But issue one, I have uh, a lot of love for because it's it's I said it before. I don't know if it was on cast or off cast, but it's one of the best intros to a story that I've ever seen. And when you were saying about um, visual prose, um, mm-hmm. the whole thing of um, the the you know the facts and figures, you know, first you're introduced to the ice cream man, and you know you're instantly put um, off by him slightly. You don't know why. There's nothing nefarious about him at all yet, but he just doesn't seem right. And then yeah. it, it moves from the, the normal speech bubbles to the narrator, um, giving us you know cold uh, facts about the Brazilian wandering spider. And it's just like page after page, panel after panel about how venomous the spider is, you know, all the records that it's broken, all of the uh, um, the facts and figures, what kind of neurotoxin it uses to kill its prey. And then you get into the house and he has the spider. And it's it's just the, the, the slow lead up to that reveal, I think, is just done so well. I think it's a credit to the writing in the way that the ice cream man is introduced when he's selling ice cream to these children at the beginning of this book. And there's a particular panel where um, the uh, the young girl chooses vanilla and um, he gets her the vanilla, um, vanilla cone ready and he hands it to her. And if you look at his facial expression as he's handing her the cone, it's like this this almost like it's like a really insidious smile like he you can see like his brow is slightly furrowed mm. he's looking down at the child <laughs> he's like like you know here haven't you know and his teeth look quite sharp it's like he's not totally you know he's not totally unassuming he looks he for a split second he looks ever so slightly evil and creepy in that in that in that image and i think that is what it is like in a credit to the artist here as well like in the way that he that they managed to get the facial expressions in hmm. um so so the subtlety of the change in facial expression to to give you that kind of like impression of you know to, that, that he's he's unassuming and then to, to do something so subtle as that, to twist his smile ever so slightly or to twist his brow ever so slightly to, to give him the, the kind of like a, a completely different aura, if you will, when he comes <laughs> it off the page. In, I, I, in I mean, it really, it, yeah. sorry, go on, go on. 
Uh, no, I'm, I'm done. Carry on. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, because it kind of helps that the cover of issue one has the ice cream man as, like, fucked up Pie Piper holding up an ice cream cone, and all the kids sort of staring lovingly up at it. Like, I think I, I think we're supposed to know from the get-go that he there's something up with this dude, but yes, yeah, but that, I, that, like, I like the slow build yeah. in, in comic. Yeah. That, that could equally be an advert for ice cream. <laughs> True. Like, <laughs> you know, equally, I mean, like, you don't, uh, uh, you don't have to look at it that way because he's, he's smiling. He looks, that cover, he looks fairly, you know, fairly innocuous there. I don't know, there's a few of the kids at the back who look like they're smiling and straining at the same time. <laughs> yeah, because they're just like, they want the ice cream, Matt. Is that how you feel when you want ice cream? Like, strained? <laughs> like, you have to, you have to bot my happy face. Depends how far I have to go to get some ice cream. <laughs> like, if I have to walk, like, I don't know, because I don't own a car, right? So, if I want good ice cream, like, the good ice cream, <laughs> like Ben and Jerry's or something, I have to walk all the way to the supermarket. All the way to the sweet place. Yes. <laughs> all the way to the frozen aisle. <laughs> where uh, Rick's standing there in a Morrison's outfit, hands me a pot of uh, my favourite flavour, peanut butter cup. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you split. Yeah. <laughs> I could just imagine him, actually. like that, that would be like how, if I was in an Ice Cream Man comic, that would be how it would begin. It would be me. Um, all the narration would be song lyrics. And it would be me walking with my headphones on from my house to Morrison's. Rick would be standing there in a Morrison's uh, um, Morrison's uniform, like stocking the freezers, the ice creams. And uh, I would come down the aisle and um, I would be looking for the peanut butter cup ice cream. And uh, he would just tap me on the shoulder and hand it to me. And it would be silent because I'm wearing the headphones. And then uh, as I walk away, it's got the, the colourful bad music note coming from the headphones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then I, I've not quite worked out what would happen after that. That's as far as I've got. <laughs> What's your deepest fear, Greg? I don't know. I mean, a lot of them have already been played out in the pages of Ice Cream Man, which I think is what resonates <laughs> with me a lot because I, I used to have a recurring nightmare about being a drug addict. God knows mm. why. But I used to have a recurring nightmare, and then and then I read issue two of this with the heroin addict, and I was just like, "Yeah, you know, that, that's like one of my worst fears." Um, even though it's like super irrational and outlandish, because like I would never do anything like that mm. ever. But I I just used to have this recurring nightmare about like I would in my nightmare. I think it's because I watched the documentary where it was like a, a video diary for some guy. Uh, they showed it as. Did they show it as while we were at school? Or I think they may have showed it as while I was at school. There's this video diary of a guy who tries to get clean. Um, and he goes to a Buddhist temple or something. Um, but like he's at the beginning, it's like a video. The, the, it's him in his house because he's living at his parents' house. Um, but I, I had this like um, this recurring nightmare where I would wake up and look over and my bookshelf would just be at my mother's house like my old bedroom the bookshelf would just be full of like uh dirty needles used needles and stuff and it was me you know and it was just weird but yeah 
If you want to relive that terrifying nightmare, which it sounds like you don't, but I'm going to give you some advice if you do. Um, yeah. Check out, I don't know if you've ever known this, but um, I only found this quite recently. Darren Aronofsky did, uh, Darren Aronofsky of Requiem for a Dream fame, which is the best film which can like tr- tells you not to do fuck it just don't do drugs <laughs> yeah. if, you, if, you, if you need to be told not to do drugs watch Requiem for a Dream he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, I think the state of Montana also asked him to create a series of meth or sorry not meth anti-meth adverts which oh, are really? goddamn terrifying yeah check this out I literally only found it like a week ago um, oh, it wow. feels like it feels like it's a direct, just a direct sequel to the movie, basically. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm pretty sure it was after the film, and they picked yeah. him specifically because of how well he represented the uh, like the, yeah. the, the tragedy of descending into drug addiction. Hmm. Well, I feel I feel that that's fairly well represented in issue two of Ice Cream Man as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I think they would be they, yeah. they're good bedfellows. Yes, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just. Yeah, it, 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 like this book, it, it gets so close to some of my worst fears and nightmares. Well, so speaking of that, Marvin, do you have yeah. anything that's represented in this comic that like hits a bit too close to the bone for you? Um, I was trying to think as you were talking, actually. Um, there's nothing that st- stands out to me as a specific, like deep, deep fear. I mean, ooh, I mean, I. Uh, you know me, I've always had a, a horrible uh, relationship with mortality. So the issue, um, oh gosh, which number is it? Uh, hold on, It'll, I'll find it faster in my notes, won't I? Two seconds, two seconds. Uh, Chris in the sweet place. Uh, issue every four. Every good boy does fine. Is that issue, uh, issue four? Yeah, every good boy does fine, the funeral one, right? Yes, yes. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And so just the... the um, the narrator, Chris, uh, well, not the narrator, but the uh, this, the 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 Deadpool style bubble um, uh, bubble that keeps coming up. That's like this isn't mm-hmm. right, you know? Why does it keep changing? And then all of the things that he's put through, it kind of was like, oh, ah, you know, the sweet place. The idea of the sweet place being this, well, just hell, this torturous other world where you're where the things that hurt you the most in life are just replayed over and over again. That that probably was the one that um, gave me a shiver down the back of my neck the most, even though the whole book is just delightfully horrifying. There's a great design uh, in that issue. Um, it's uh, like the, uh, the the sort of like the ice cream creature. Yes. The one that tells him you died and now you're here. Easy peasy lickety split. Hmm. I love the design of the ice cream creature. With the screaming faces on its back and stuff, yeah, like, that's just amazing. But yeah, I mean, and well, it's like, like dripping a scream, is it? It could be like a yeah. scoop of something. Yeah, it's great, but it's it's like a horror version of Pizza the Hut from Spaceball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> but it's just, um... and then the the preceding page where you've got like the nine panels. And then oh, one yeah. of them is like bleeding over the panel, the child crying, him crying as a child. But it's like his dad leaving in different ways every time. And mm. his dad slowly melts and becomes the ice cream creature. Mm. Yeah, I think anything that yeah. does that kind of twisted repetition where you can't tell if it's the same moment happening over and over again or like it's genuinely something that is happening over and over again. Like that yeah. kind of stuff makes my skin crawl. 
Mm. I, for me, it would be, I think there's just far too many mentions of bugs covering beautiful things when viewed close. And I think that comes yeah. to a head in, I think, issue... Oh, let me find it. The one that's at the end of Hopscotch Melange, part four, Space Story, which is issue 12. Yeah. And there's an explicit scene where he's looking at a flower and it turns out to be kind of like disgusting and covered up, covered in bugs up close. And um, like I have a, this, this is personal to me because like I have a creeping vine on my balcony, which I bought and is beautiful and lovely. But when then after, towards the end of summer, we started getting like spider mites, like tiny little bugs that aren't actually spiders, but look like from a distance, if you looked at it and you squinted a bit, it looked like dust was crawling up and down the vines hmm. and the leaves. And then I started noticing like almost invisibly thin webs tracing like paths from the stems to the leaves. And then at some point over a weekend while we were away from home, um, the webs had become so prominent, you could like see them from a distance. And it was like the webs were like devouring the plant. And you could oh, wow. genuinely see like you could see like a shifting movement happening on the plant and you couldn't figure out what it was. And then when you look up close, the whole thing was just fucking covered in these tiny, tiny little like dust particle sized uh, little like spider mites. I, well, they're yeah. called spider mites. So I, so then what oh. I did was um, I had to, like, they were basically sapping the life of the plant, turning all the leaves brown. And I thought like it was a lost cause, this beautiful vine that I bought, like one of the first plants that I bought for my new place was, um, was like being taken over by this horrible alien, um, what do you call it? Hive mind spider mite <laughs> bullshit. And then, so I spent some time like trimming the plant, spraying insecticide and vinegar and anti mite spray and stuff. And like, I can't see any of the bugs moving along the plant anymore, but the webs won't go away on their own. They're not like dissolving or anything. They're sort of just stuck there. And I'm a little bit too grossed out to go in and like clean off the, the vines. Um, and so I've like tried to take some care and like cut off all the, all, all of the brown bits. So basically the whole plant is brown, but now has like splashes of green erupting from the midst of a hundred dead uh, like vine paths. Because it seems that the plant is actually still alive and it's like regrowing life, but yeah. it's surrounded by all this death. And it's yeah. like I've got this representation of this image from Ice Cream Man sat on my balcony and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> but the plant's going to the sweet place, right? <laughs> it's it's yeah. fucking horrible. Like, I can't just want to, I don't want to give up on it. I don't want to just like but then, well, that put it in a bag and chuck it away. And, I yeah, was going to say that means Rahul's Caleb in this. He's just frantically trying to trim <laughs> off all the dead bits. <laughs> Just, well, it's, no, it's just starting life again. I didn't think it would, but like, there's was, some life left in the thing. I can't just yeah. destroy it and start again. It feels too cruel. Like, this, oh. on to the next one, Ray. On to the next yeah. one. I don't want it to be on to the next one. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna cling to this one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I was, I'm gonna have some resolve and clean it up and save it. Yeah, I, I was gonna say actually, um, Marv, issue four is actually the first appearance of Caleb because that's when he turns up at the end of issue four. Yes, where he stops walks his up narration. to the ice cream truck. Yeah, Almighty, you're still at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, love I, I love, I love the fact. I um, again, sort of visual storytelling. Cause, yeah, because you've got you know the first three issues and like the first two thirds of this one. Yeah, the ice cream man is just the ice cream man is the focus. The ice cream man mm. feels unstoppable, just like this force that has the town. And then this guy walks up to him. This cowboy walks up to him, says a few words, and the last couple yeah. of panels, he's gripping the side of the ice cream van so hard yeah. that he's bent in the metal. I <laughs> love like, that. I love that touch. Man? It's the only the only thing that can stand up to him. Yeah, is <laughs> this guy that's you know been my kind of equal, my mirror image, my reflection since time immemorial. Um, 
Marv, you brought up Stephen King earlier, and like it's hard to talk about anything horror horror based without sort of it tying oh, into Stephen King at some point. This is all incredibly <laughs> Stephen King, but yeah, I think the first <laughs> issue of Hopscotch Melange really uh, like hit me with um, Dark yeah. Tower vibes. Yeah, I don't know if you got yes. that um, a lot because it's like um, the the dust bowl decrepit like post apocalyptic world, and the fact yeah. that it's this cowboy sort of theme. Um, and then some well, of the themes of the story overall, and maybe the yeah. theme of um, hopscotch melange in general, without giving too much away about the Dark Tower, I guess. Mm. But I think there's some things overlapping there, which I think are quite cool. Oh, I like definitely. the whole thing being being an homage to King with his like recurring characters and stuff, mm. like Caleb and Rick. Yeah, mm. well, like, it's like not even just... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's not even just Caleb and Rick in terms of recurring characters. It's like in um, issue two when you've got the um, oh no, is it issue two? Sorry, no, the the triptych episode, um, uh, the triptych issue, issue six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where you look at the panels, I can't remember what page it is, but there's um uh, the three panels obviously, and it's him walking through a park, and in each of the different realities on the bench is a different character from previous issues. Yeah, yeah. And then even yeah. um even later on where you've got yeah. um. Uh, the TV show episode, and you've got Chris's friend, the black guy. He's in the basement, um, in yeah. the sweet place. Yeah. So it's like there are these stories going on where people are being claimed, and you're just not seeing it. It's just it's happening to everyone, you know? Yeah, yeah. The the Kardashians, man. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I've just noticed, by the way, like my favorite issues, like eight and five, and then thirteen, fourteen oh eight. there you go. Yeah, <laughs> all the way back to King again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, but like I, I, yeah, eight and five make thirteen. It's just, it's just some weird coincidence. I've just noticed when I'm looking at the run sheet. But I just wanted to bring up the triptych issue because uh, um, Strange Neapolitan. When you were talking about that, like, I, what do you feel is the most insidious timeline on there for you? I mean, I, I think for me, uh, the most insidious timeline for me is the bottom one, the orange, uh, the orange level, the brown one. Chocolate. The brown one, the chocolate one. Sorry, I know it's meant to be brown, not orange. Yeah, it looks but orange. It's, yeah, it's, it's sort of brown filter, but yeah, that is because it's it's like with the story that Ray was um, just saying. It's all bugs. There's bugs in the ice cream. You know, this horrible yeah. egg hatches, and there's bugs, and and, and a little bird comes yeah. out of it, and then at the end, <laughs> the diseased bird comes out of his chest. But if the if you wanted to ask me what the worst one is, it's the strawberry because oh, the pain, yeah, the pain in the strawberry is just uh, it's so oh, raw the alcoholism and oh gosh the alcoholism you know, and the baby yeah and, oh. do you know what i think is the worst one <laughs> <laughs> go on i think it's vanilla i knew it <laughs> are you kidding me like you are the poster boy for wanting to live in a cabin in the woods with a dog Come on, no, 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 no. The problem isn't living in a cabin in the woods with a dog. The problem is moving away and being so selfish as to keep that dog from the family that loved it. Ah, uh, okay. And 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 to hide in a cabin in the woods just so nobody else can have that dog apart from you, like the sheer selfishness of it, the level of selfishness well, that comes with that. Well, it's not dog owner. It's he finds the dog <laughs> injured, and and it's a lost dog, and he sees the poster, and he just chooses to fucking ignore the poster <laughs> and keep that dog to himself. Like, forget the guy with the vulture mask on cutting chunks out of him. Forget you know the 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 um the tragedy with the you know the death of the baby. Like, the tragedy of that that family that's never going to see that dog again. 
You see, you, I have this constant conversation with a lot and of my friends where it's... The poor, um, the poor dog having to live in isolation because <laughs> he has to keep the secret, this this secret that he's stolen this dog, this dog from its life. And the dog doesn't... I mean, the dog's living in isolation. The dog the dog doesn't really know any better. The dog doesn't there. give a shit. He's, he's being fed bacon direct from the pan. He's fine. There you go. Sorry, Mark, no, you were about to say the... No, I, I have this constant conversation with a lot of my friends where it's sort of like humans versus animals, where there's <laughs> like loads of people I know where they're like, oh, no, I could watch 100 people die on screen, but don't show me a dead dog in a movie. Don't show me a movie where the dog dies. And I'm like, it's a fucking dog. Like, I'm, <laughs> I, am, I am, in essence, an animal person, but I would 100% save a person over an animal. So I'm... Yeah, I, I I know you're the opposite, <laughs> but I, 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 I love the fact. I love the fact. Like literally, you know, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you you know, skip back like 25, maybe 30 seconds. You literally said the line: "Forget the tragedy of the dead baby and the uh, and the relationship breaking down. Think about that poor dog being fed bacon and the family who probably bought another puppy and got an open." <laughs> I never thought you'd say it that way. That's that's exactly how I heard it. (laughs) I'm glad you said it, (laughs) Moff. But I suppose the one thing that we can to to to. I mean, I didn't mean it like that. It is horrible and tragic, but I just feel like the, the 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 because the guy is. Being that because selfish, it's bad, it's bad things happening to him in the to- in the top one and the bottom one. Hmm. But in the middle one, he is the bad thing. He's doing the bad thing. Yeah, and, and it that, does speak to um, it speaks yeah. to how how the uh, how the whole series of comics speaks to different things in different people and hits them yeah. in different ways. But it's it's the wor- it's the worst one because rather than hit b- tragedy befalling him, hmm. he's creating tragedy. Yeah, he didn't. He, the, the you know the the all the, these other two things, the, him being murdered or you know tortured, is not. That's that's not because of him. Hmm. Uh, uh, that uh, and then and then you know all, all these him meeting this woman and having a child and then the child dying and everything else. That's not because of him. Yeah, he's the victim of tragedy in the in yeah. strawberry and yeah. chocolate. But, but then, he's but the, then, age, like, the middle one. The middle one's the worst one because he's not the victim of tragedy, but he is. He is. He is the. He is the. Um, the 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 arbiter the, of it. The arbiter mm. of tragedy. Yeah. If you I cannot me. relate because I'm not really a dog person, but, like, <laughs> but it's not. But, it's not but, about but being like a dog baby. person. It's so. about seeing. It's about seeing that, like in the top two, he he's absolved. He's guilt free. He's absolved. He's done nothing wrong. Mm. He's just. He is just um, in an unfortunate. It, it just. It's just you know horrible and, and unfortunate and horrific. These things that are happening to him, but it, it's it's not it, none of his fault. He's he can he has a clear conscience. But in the middle one, he's having such a great time. But his mm. conscience is not clear. But hmm. you say you say he has a clear conscience. I think the um, the theme that ties the three flavors together is him being afraid of how horrible a person he is. Because you mm. know, in the bottom panel, yeah. you know, it constantly over and over again. There's something awful inside of you. There's something awful yeah. inside of you. And then in the strawberry, the top panel, it's kind of like you imagine he was a shitty person before, and then he's like, "I'm going to start a relationship. I'm going to be a better person." And then so it's like. It's really visceral, but like yeah. the, the the idea of there's something awful inside of you is like 
he had a baby that started vomiting vomiting up black ichor. It's it's yeah, not that something he, on. Or, yeah, it's like yeah. it's may, it might not even be that he medically passed something yeah. on. It might just be a mm. manifestation of the fear that mm. he is a horrible person and that he's going to pass on those horrible traits to his offspring. Yeah, so it's just all three the panels. Bad thing in him into into the next it's the anxiety of yeah like i'm a bad person and i make other people bad i infect them like a disease exactly mm. and that's a fear thing. that everyone i think has apart but, from you know the most uh yeah the most confident people in the world <laughs> but the the but the, the point is the top and bottom one aren't his fault the middle one is him you know carrying on yeah no and, i get and, that yeah and being the disease <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the, the top will. and bo- the top and yeah. bottom ones a kind of like the fear of what he's trying to repress in him and then the middle one is like him just kind of letting it loose and being like you know what i'm gonna do what, what betters me and fuck everyone else yeah and it's it, the, the the reason this is the reason i feel the middle one's the worst because it's the selfishness hmm. like, i get that i know, get that yeah yeah it's nothing to do with being a dog person or an animal or whatever. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just how it is and that's just how i feel but yeah, um, I mean, I, I know that the top one's horrible. I know the bottom one's horrible, but you know, <laughs> there we go. Another man for the sweet place. Yeah, yeah, well, different things for different people, isn't it? And I, yeah. I do love, even though it's a bit on the nose, I do love the fact that the dog's name is Triptych. Well, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's what I enjoy about this comic, that it, 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 it can do things like that and it can be like incredibly on the nose, hmm. like especially in palindromes as well. Like yeah. it, it doesn't shy away from it. it. It it literally like lives for the fact that it's a palindrome that comic. Mm. But um, as on the nose as it is, it's still perfect, and it doesn't feel like it's putting too much syrup on the Sunday, if you will. <laughs> it just does what it does, and it does it incredibly well. Um, I mean, other key issues that I think do what they do incredibly well and, and really showcase the power of this series as a as an anthology that kind of explores the cosmic battle between bad and good and hope and hopelessness and despair and, and everything else. And the just the, the kind of philosophical idea of despair being the sweet place because you hear that a lot. You talk, people talk about sweet misery and everything else. And mm. and then what you were saying, Marv, about choices as well is the episode is the episode is the, uh, the comic with the, see the, these comics feel so alive. It's like watching TV. Definitely. No, um, it's the, uh, the issue with the young girl who's mourning her friend. Yes. I was just going to start talking about that one. Yes. Yeah. And because um, I it, love, yeah, carry on. Oh, no, no, just because I know you're going to um, deep dive, but I just wanted to quickly um, say it, 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 it ties in again to this sort of, um, the similarities to Pennywise in that, in that it's, she's going through her personal trauma. And when the ice cream man captures her towards the end of the issue, it's very much physical, um, like visual fear. It's like, you're a child. So I'm going to be something scary. I'm going to be flaying someone mm. alive in front of you rather than yeah. it being a more adult fear of this insidious. You've got something awful inside of you. It's but, also sorry. a, a weird yeah. case of like one of the, I, to my memory, it's got some of the most violent imagery in this comic, which is uh, centered around a, a child. Mm. Like, I, am I right in thinking that? Because you see this guy like, skin, alive. skinned alive. Yeah. And it's yeah, the then, young child that has to witness that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but then, I think... that, that goes back to it as well. It's like the, the things that your uh, the mind of a child can live through and get mm. over is totally different to what, like the things that Pennywise shows kids, adults go absolutely insane when they see. Hmm. Whereas because then, of the power, because yeah. of how big a kid's imagination is, they can kind of work through it. 
a little bit. I also I also mean though literally the like the the violence on the page. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the first instances we get in these first run of issues that's that graphic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I just think the but, the juxtaposition of like the violence then, of that image and the fact that it's yeah. centered in a kid's story is is quite shocking. But it's like it's through the lens of her imagination as well because we keep getting these uh these panels that are laid out like her sketchbook mm. where she's making a story about her and her friend yeah uh, mm. conquering some kind you know on some kind of quest um and they you know they go through the 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 the, the forest at night and they need lanterns and but then even even drawing parallels between this and like less i think it's less it for me and it's more um the brothers grim mm, yeah yeah because it, it just has that like i mean like if you i mean or, or, uh, going back to the violence on the page and everything else like you think of the original fairy tales like it, it, we always hear these these stories like everyone everyone will always say like when you start talking about like little red riding Hood, everyone will say, everyone will say oh well the original one's much worse because in the original one this happens but like this is kind of playing on that a little bit do you see yeah so the writing here in the way that we see this man flayed alive on the table in like the witch's cabin or whatever, which in a story, but would probably be made of uh, gingerbread. But in this, it's just made of rotten wood. Um, it's kind of the thing like she would be, you know, like this witch eats people. In this children's story. I mean, she locks, t- I mean, even in a sanitized version that I read as a kid, she locks them in an oven and tries to cook them you know <laughs> it's like that's that's pretty bad <laughs> that's like cannibalism in a kid's story no wonder i grew up weird no but like it's just like this is how like this is how it is and it's it you've got her sanitized version through her sketchbook and then or through the child's art child's mind and then you've got what's actually happening and it's it's like grim fairy tale stuff. Like the the sanitized version, when it gets to it, is is um, her drawing of this devil character with a cat in in a boiling pot, and the two kids tied up in <laughs> chairs side by side. And then like you see what's actually happening, and you've got Rick looking like very demonic over this this green pot, like chucking bugs in, with this dude like lashed to the bed in the background, like completely flayed <laughs> and he flayed him with a potato peeler as well I, I mean the slowest way to flay someone i think would be a potato peeler wouldn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> why are we laughing he's got no hilarious there's comedy there's comedy in that somewhere <laughs> There's comedy in there's comedy in the use of the potato peel. I was I was just being a straight man. <laughs> I, know, I don't know I where it is. I haven't I haven't quite found where the joke is, but I just know there's something hilarious about that that potato peel. <laughs> I think I, I I don't know why I find that funny. I just <laughs> but yeah. So he's flayed the guy with a potato peeler of all things, um, and like. Then he's all of a sudden he's got spider, and then Caleb turns up and saves the day, like the hero, the woodsman, if you will. Um, this is what I, I really like about yeah. about the Caleb introduction is we only get like glimpses of him, and then we we barely have 
much of him before we see him being like killed at the end of issue number eight. Where, yeah. You know, where he's in the back of the ambulance and we see his throughout that yeah. entire issue, we see his heartbeat slowly decline and we don't realize who's narrating yeah. until they open the back of the van doors, the, uh, the ambulance doors. And we see that it's him and yeah. the EMTs have like neglected to save him. They just forgotten that he was in the back. Well, yeah, I think that's strong. a really good introduction to a hero. I think like seeing, yeah. seeing him save the day a couple of times and then he's just, he's dead. And then we get hopscotch melange. I think that's really clever pacing. And part hmm. of what I mean about how it, it goes small and big in succession over and over and over again. But you can't kill an idea, Ray. I know. Yeah. And that's why I love it. Cause it's like, yeah. they introduce the idea and then kill it and then feed that concept to yeah, us. They, they literally kill an idea and then bring it back again. Mm. But like, it's, um, it, 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 I mean, this is a good example, actually, this comic here, my little poltergeist is a good example of how they, um, play with different genres and different styles of writing and different, uh, styles of storytelling mm. within the whole that is ice cream man because this is like in the style of a gr- like grim fairy tales or whatever mm-hmm. um like you know an old children's fairy tale where you know there's this this creepy witch or or the, a, a creature demon living in the woods that lures a child to eat the child who is then mm. saved by the woodsman in the most simplistic terms um and it just plays with that and it plays with the idea of that. But through that, it, it tells a horror story. And it also, you know, has like this underlying narrative of this kid dealing with the grief of the death of her best friend. And like throughout this this series, you've got different examples of them playing with different genres. Like with uh, within Hopscotch Melange, Hopscotch Melange, you've got the traditional Western. Hmm. You've you could traditional Western storytelling with the, the, the tale of the um the the Quinceañera story. I can't remember what the actual name of the comic is on that one now. Um uh, Border Story. <clears throat> that's it, Border Story, yeah. Um I wanted to call it Borderlands, but I know that's something <laughs> else entirely. Um but yeah, like Border Story um is is almost like the traditional Western, like it's something that I could have watched on television on a Sunday afternoon um, with that kind of like grainy 1950s film. And it would have been about four hours long and way more boring than that comic. But, (laughs) you know, it's like that kind of thing. Um, And like, uh, you've got another example, like sci-fi, it it delves into sci-fi. Yeah. Um, And I think the the whole point of Hopscotch Melange as a volume is that it's, each of the issues is a very specific genre trapping. Like yeah. you're saying, it's the um, the Western, the border yeah. story, the TV show, and the futuristic sci-fi. Well, yeah, I mean, an issue one, in fact, of of Ice Cream Man, issue one is an issue is an episode of X Files. Yeah, mm. you know, it's just it just has like this this thing where it plays with all these different like uh, different styles of writing, and it does it in such a such an in a, a, such a cool way. And affectionate. You can tell there's an affection yeah. for the genre. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, whatever they do, into. they do lovingly. And, 100%, 100%. Yeah, and, and like, in emergencies, it gets really on the nose with the Stephen King thing because there's an actual dead clown. 
Yeah, mm. and it's, <laughs> the, the thing is, the cl- the clown is dead, which is like you know, it's, it could almost be like a ha ha, yeah, on the nose yeah. reference. But the way that the kids get rid of the clown is um, an almost a scene for scene. Well, you know, it's from a book anyway. Reenactment yeah. of um, the death yeah. of Adrian Mellon uh, at the beginning of of the book. It where um, mm. I don't know if you've seen the second movie yet, Greg. Uh, where the the there's a um, a gay guy who gets beaten up by some of the Derry townsfolk. Um, and thrown over a bridge, and that's where Pennywise gets him in the canal underneath the bridge. Okay. So it's it's you know if if they're yeah. doing if they're doing the Stephen King ties there, then they've they've followed that all the way through to uh to where the clown hits the water. Yeah. Do you and, you know um no sorry go on before I change anything go on. I was going to say it gets really Twin Peaksy in some places as well, and it's in my, in its uh examination of small town politics um yeah and uh and um uh how do i describe this uh the the kind of like the the rot behind the wallpaper that is the the rot of suburbia behind the glossy wallpaper or whatever it's just yeah yeah the maggot in the ear at the bottom of the picket fence thing (laughs) yes 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 one thing i noticed is like they'd been setting up sort of visual motifs from the very start. So you've got the, the colorful bad music, you've got the, the bugs in, in like the plants and the spider motifs and stuff. And I've noticed in the last couple of issues, they've started introducing a couple of new things. So like um, horned masks is one that I picked up on and um, like crosshatched uh, images. So like yeah. obviously starting with the, the crossword puzzle where it has the, the square imagery uh, from the crossword, but then even in issue fifteen, you have a lot of like square patterned, yes. uh, like square pattern motifs, which then also follow through into the next one, I believe, which is the the one about the uh, the father and daughter um, story. And like, I'm wondering, have you guys noticed any new motifs popping up in the later issues, other than those, or any thoughts other on those um, masks? And yeah, hmm. well, I, I was gonna when I was. Um about to rudely interrupt Greg before I was going to start talking about issue 15 actually, uh, but not for the motifs. I didn't pick up on that. That's something that, um, that I'll have no, to yeah. sort of look back and uh, so go into your... no, um, issue 15. I feel like um, because of the conversation we've been having, I feel like issue 15 is a really nice sort of confluence of uh, a lot of those themes. Because mm-hmm. um, not only, and I mean, I say this as an outsider, uh, but I think it, it has a very interesting take on sort of mental illness. But also, it does uh, a wonderful thing with the fears around mental illness and like hereditary diseases of any kind, but also the fear that mental illnesses um, can be passed down. And am I going to turn out like, you know, my mother, my father, my whoever, yeah. who might have some sort of issue yeah. like that? Um, Which, and- yeah, I mean, it's very real fear for a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. And the anxieties that come through that are really palpable while you read in the comic. Um, and it does the cyclical thing as well, where not as um, you know on the nose as like palindromes does, but where you know you, you've got the um, sort of starting in medias res where she's already in the wheelchair and it's you know now and then before, but it's sort of like she's spiraling through the whole comic where she's just almost at the end where she's running away from the kid with the balloon. She's just like, I'm not like my mum. I'm not crazy. I'm not like my mum. I'm not crazy. Mm. Yeah. And then the ice cream man does what he does best. But you are exactly like your mother. It loops mm. straight back round to that point. And it's even hinted at because she's called Lily and she says to her mum, she's like a dandelion. Mm. So it's like, well, you're a flower too. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just the way that that 
it's like her slow descent into madness. Mm. I mean, I, I actually think that that definitely was her coat. Yeah, I do love the yeah. um, the page after they give her the coat, and it's a you know your vestment sister, and it's like yeah. um, this yeah. is it, isn't it? This is where I turn out like my mum, and uh, one of the other ladies is like, of course it is. We all become yeah. our parents, and it's just <laughs> such the 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 cold hard statement of that sentence. It's yeah. it's again, it's such a a spike into such a primal fear mm. that a lot of people have, and throughout the comic, in 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 her actions, in trying so hard to not be like her mother. Mm. Yeah, sort of trying to warning signs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then like that actually the next issue, Tiny Lives, mm. um, is is like when I was saying the Twin Peaksy, the suburbia thing. Yeah. Um, where it just goes from like naught to sixty and becomes a slasher movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does have the suburbia thing very well, because like the cover of that issue is the ice cream man playing with like paper cut yeah. out um, board game pieces in a suburban town setting. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But like, even like the, you know, the, the whole high school thing, the dad going to the group of, you know, single dads, like learning how to look relate. after a child. Yeah. Learning how to relate and look after his daughter and everything. And then he reads her diary and which is the one thing he shouldn't have done, but it's like a, um, it is like a thriller or a, or a slasher movie, isn't it? Hmm. Like, it's, it, yeah, it's it, like a psychosexual yeah. thriller as well because it does that thing where it's yeah. it's merging the anxieties of sex with, uh, I mean, since we're going to spoil, like with the anxieties of finding out that your daughter is a deranged murderer, like it's yeah, and it, it's that thing of him like him spiraling as well in his um, unconfidence with his fatherhood or like his his yeah. unconfidence with being a good father and passing on the right ideals and then constantly snooping into her diary, but then realizing that he may have. Yeah. He may have saved not only like the lives of many other people, but her soul in the process by doing by making that transgression. I think is an interesting concept. Yeah, I mm. did have to have hard drink after that final letter. <laughs> 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 but no, yeah, is that is a great issue, and I love the way that it plays with the um, like every so many pages we get a diary page, mm. and then the way it plays with the diary pages like just subtle things like you've got like inspirational quotes at the top of each page mm. yeah and we go from um so i'm just flicking through this. so the first quote is maya angelou right mm-hmm. uh and it, it you know it's um try to be a rainbow in someone's cloud which is the type of thing you might find pre-printed in a diary you know like inspirational quotes then we've got a quote from amelia Earhart. Um, and the quotes are actually kind of like um, almost uh, it's almost like she's trying to live up to those quotes by doing what she's doing on the page. Mm. Like when she writes on the page, like the quote of the day, I believe that a girl should not do what she thinks she should do, but should find out through experience what she wants to do. And then you read that page. And it's like what's written on the page of the diary kind of mirrors like or her trying to is this the girl trying to live up to the quote? Yeah. Yes, then, I don't think I've ever felt this free. It's like there's yeah. a small voice in my head saying yes. live. Yeah. And then we get to the the, the, the next page, my favorite page. <laughs> and it's a quote yeah. from Charlie Manson. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's like subtle things like that. Like we've got this quote from Charles Manson from the world of darkness I did loose demons and devils in the power of scorpions of to, to torment. <laughs> and then you read like what she's written there and it just like hungry for blood and it kind of just like it matches up to the quote yeah like bam she's a serial killer <laughs> and it's just great in that way in the in the slow build like that 
and and those i i think those diary pages are genius i love them yeah that particular diary page is is really discomforting like the way yeah. she's describing uh, the incisions at the end of fingers like oh yeah oh it makes me cringe thinking about it yeah no like, but i love it. people I, I, run out yeah. of blood is an is is a terrifying uh sentence but, but I, it's I, the way she makes them run out of blood as well it's mm-hmm. not like through cutting the carotid artery or something like that she's she's doing it through fingertips mm. you're gonna be a long time <laughs> that first paragraph though is like the yeah. last of her before she's kind of just succumbs to it because it's like the first line is i can't stop killing people it's not mm-hmm. like i'm enjoying killing people so much it's i can't stop killing people i wake yeah. up and an angel whispers in my ear someone else has to die, has to die. and it's all the <laughs> caps as well because it's like it's so much fun it almost makes me in all caps sick like she's sick with sickened by herself but she can't yeah. stop doing it i yeah. do love the moment you realize that you know what are not condoms yeah, yeah, that's a really good reveal. That's a the box of you know what, and it's knives. It's like wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I love how it, it comes full circle when it's like the son of another guy in the group. Mm. Ah, yeah. oh, it's brilliant, brilliant piece of writing that issue. I love it. But and and yeah, this is like where I started to notice. Wait a sec, Saint Generous is like a running theme because I didn't notice mm. until I noticed she was at Saint Generous University, and then I went back. And I checked them all, and I was like, oh. Like, ah, okay. Yeah. So she's in that same town that we start off in issue one. We're all, we're all in this. Every issue takes place pretty much in the same town, almost. Right, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not sure that... Um, hold on, because I'm going to go back to the uh, Border Story, because I want to check, actually, does Border Story take place in St. Generous? That would be interesting. While you're finding that, another couple of things I noticed was the teddy bear from issue, uh, the one we just talked yes. about, issue 15, yeah. uh, also appears in issue 16. So I think that's a recurring motif of like um, the, teddy, the you... teddy bear wearing the ice cream man's yeah. hat. The interesting thing about that teddy bear, actually, I'll come to that in a minute, a little bit of trivia, but just hold on. Because okay. it's from some of the back matter, and I'll, I'll get to that in a sec when I find out if um, St. Generous is St. Generous in the. I think. What is the spaceship called? The Ark. Oh, it's just called the Ark. Ark. It's Noah's Ark, yeah. isn't it? Of course, yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's, it's in Texas. Yeah. I know. I'm just trying to. Yeah, but I'm trying to figure out if the, like, the name of the town is mm. like Spanish for generous or something. No, it's probably. I'm probably wrong. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I just. I just thought it'd be interesting if it was. Yeah. And then, like, St. Generous could possibly be a state of mind rather than a place. But, <laughs> um, it appears I'm wrong. No, um, the interesting thing with that teddy bear, if I can find the particular page, um, right. they, uh, they, uh, it's a bit of a joke, but um, just hold on. Do you remember which uh, story it came up in? It's right at the back of the final volume. And oh, okay. uh, I believe the teddy bear you're talking about is Binky. Yes. From the uh, the, the story with um, the coat. Yep. Yes, here we go. In the Ice Cream Man multiverse, Binky is the plush popsicle purveyor of Earth-15, where he partakes in <laughs> such acts of adorable menace as forcing Rookspins, Paddingtons and Poos to reckon with their midlife ennui. <laughs> that's amazing where's I that engine poo getting some honey flavored ice cream and then piglet showing up with like millipedes crawling out of his eyes and poo's just like oh bother you know <laughs> just like <laughs> it's like those that's corrupted the... garfield cartoons 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, they're brilliant. I love corrupted Garfield. But yeah, no, these <laughs> he's um yeah, the, the I I want I now want a full like teddy bear's picnic. Like I'd love that. Like a teddy bear's picnic issue with ice cream man. Yeah, I'd read ice cream Binky. bear. Yeah. Binky the ice cream bear. <laughs> be fantastic. Um yeah, so I mean I think I think it's safe to say like I mean has anyone got anything else they want to bring up or mention? Or have we have we talked this this Sunday to the bottom of the glass as it were? <laughs> I think we've uh, we've done it. We you know, we've eaten this dessert to the last scoop. Yeah, we've cleared out the screwball and now we can enjoy the chewing gum yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I mean like I did ask you guys what your favorite flavors of ice cream were. Hmm. Oh yeah. And the reason I was doing that is because I was um I had this like this idea that I would play a game with myself and write a short story for each flavor of ice cream inspired by ice cream man. Hmm. Okay. Um and I didn't get a flavor from you Ray. And I, I got I, Leon's I, I, mm, Sorry, go on. I got Leon's flavor too late this afternoon. What I mean, did you I, say, I, like, Snickers, but Snickers. only if it's Italian style, which I didn't quite get. Yeah. But I, mean, I think like, it just I'm, means a Snickers bar and fancy ice cream, right? I think when he means Italian style, he means, like, gelato. Like, gelato, yeah. Yeah. But, like, I think, I think like, but basically what it what it was is, I mean, I, I know I asked late as well, because I only asked you guys yesterday. But, um, so, we'll start with Leon's, because, uh, so, my horror story for Snickers, for Leon, is, like, it's a bit lazy, but... It's something that's already out there and exists, but you know the 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 Snickers adverts in in DC comics because they're horrific enough anyway. No, like, what? <laughs> oh, maybe we've talked about this in the past. What? Give yeah, me yeah. An bad, example. Bad Snickers adverts in DC comics. So it was a thing um, that began around 2018, I think, where DC, like you know, like they have advertising in in comics, and it's like comic centric advertising within the pages of the comics, like they advertise like weird things, like, like credit cards and stuff using comics characters. Hmm. Well, they advertise Snickers bars, you know, like that you're not yourself when you're hungry. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's like that, but it's like, um, I mean, this isn't a real example. I don't think, but it's, it's like, you're not yourself when you're hungry and like the justice league are fighting doomsday and Diana's not there. Um, and then, like, uh, they they give Doomsday a Snickers, and it turns back into Wonder Woman or something like that, you know. It's like... <laughs> oh my god! It's that level of like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that level of like fucking like you know, trash. But, <laughs> but I think the thing I had was um, like it it it's starting off as Leon's story. And then he orders, um, or like we we see somebody ordering the Snickers ice cream bar or something, um, and we think it's Leon, but it turns out to be Marvin, who te- is deathly allergic to peanuts. Yes, <laughs> like, that, would, that would be my twist uh, yeah. twist story on a Snickers ice cream. But thing. but yeah, so we've got the um, yeah, so so that that was that that's like the because the, they're horrific enough. I don't need to elaborate on that. Mm-hmm. So the horror story for Snickers is those horrible Snickers adverts that pop up in the pages of DC Comics. <laughs> um, now for Marv, I actually wrote like a full page and a half. <laughs> what was um, your story? Wait, what was the flavor? Salted caramel. 
Ah, okay. So the story is called Salted Caramel. Now, Marv doesn't actually feature in this. It's just a horror story I wrote based on <laughs> salted caramel ice cream. Um, so I- I'll start. I'll read it. <clears throat> Lynette sat in her nicotine-stained living room. A middle-aged woman with a look of strained frustration on her face as she leaned in ever closer to the neon glow of the screen, trying to catch and hang on to the drama-laced words of some fictional community or other. She could barely hear anything. The neighbours were being too damn loud again, or so it seemed. You see, the idea had plagued her ever since the new neighbours moved in, whom she didn't like upon first sight. She'd been gnawing on it like a dog with a bone in its teeth. Her jaw ached with it. She'd turn up her television. She wanted an excuse, any excuse. This young couple, you see, who had just brought the house next door, they weren't like her, not at all. Did they threaten her way of life, her silence with her soaps? What if they were dangerous? Killers next door? Knives ready for her throat and tar-filled lungs, carve her up and feed her to pigs? Young people have friends and parties. They drink and celebrate their youth. They interrupt your silence with your television. Young people are the unknown. She placed the remote on the arm of the chair next to the ashtray. A lit cigarette smouldered, and as she reached over to the side table to retrieve her tub of salted caramel ice cream, the cherry almost caught the sleeve of her pastel pink robe. Too loud again, just like two nights ago when she knocked on the door and told them to keep it down, told them the party was too much. The rustling in the walls, the damned rustling, the creeping, the crunching, the skittering and the crawling, the rough noise of insect husks rubbing together, much to the bewilderment of her neighbours who were asleep as it was 3am. Lynette didn't sleep. She hadn't slept since the neighbours moved in. Too much noise, too much droning, too much scratching. She leaned closer to the television now. In hasty frustration, she grabbed the remote like a bull in a china shop, knocking the ashtray from the arm of the chair. This was enough. She'd had enough. She got up off the couch and marched to the front door in a blind red haze. And the next thing she knew, she was brought around by the freezing air, knocking loudly on the front window of the house next door, the house where they lived, the enemies of her peace, the loud ones, the source of the constant drone. The house was dark, no light from the windows and no answer from the door, but the noise, she thought, was deafening. Lynette moved to the front door where she continued to bang and scream for the noise to stop, but there was no answer. At her wit's end, she tried the handle of the door. Maybe the party was too loud. Maybe she would have to go in and get their attention. The door creaked open and the deep blackness stared back. She stepped into the hallway and shuddered. It was colder in here than it was outside and considerably louder. As Lynette ventured a little deeper, looking for a light switch, she noticed a slight incline in the ground and that the hallway seemed to go on forever. Was this an illusion of the darkness? She turned back and could no longer see the sickly orange of the streetlights from the open front door where she entered. She felt for a light switch, but her hands were only greeted by smooth, damp and cold. This seemed very strange and different. Seemingly endless hallway continued on an incline, a downward slope that got narrower as time passed. Lynette knew many of the houses would have had the same layout as they would have been built around the same time and as far as she knew none of them had basements and she knew this house she'd been inside this house while her old neighbors resided there as Lynette continued deeper by this point feeling she had no other choice as she could no longer tell where she was or where she'd entered from she began to feel movement beneath her feet and over her hands on the walls a sudden all of a sudden a faint green and orange glow began to pulse from the middle distance as she got closer she could see insects bugs spiders of all sizes species writhing making up the very fabric of the walls and floor you were right we are different a strange voice hissed over the chattering drone we are a threat it continued we heard your thoughts through our antenna you see tasted them on the air your hatred of us we just wanted to live peacefully like you It isn't knives we have for your throat and your tar-filled lungs. It's claws and mandibles. The voice seemed to be coming from multiple directions. Lynette felt a sharp sting in the back of her neck. 
The orange and green glow still pulsing now revealed two large compound eyes a hair's width from her face. Mirrored and colourful, colourful, like thin film interference like oil on water. It was never knives. It was always fangs filled with venom, acidic saliva from our stomachs and proboscis. Sorry about the noise. We were hungry. Our children were hungry. Lynette tried to move, but she was paralyzed. She felt the itchy crawl and the sting as the ocean of insects and spiders began to rise around her legs to her knees. She tried to scream, but she opened her mouth and there was only silence and the deafening noise that had brought her to the place. The tide rose to her neck. She felt the sharp bite and burn as the bugs began to dissolve her body and crawl into her mouth and her eyes. The end. <laughs> Jesus, Greg. <laughs> like, I'm glad... <laughs> I'm glad my mic was on mute because there's a point where you're talking about insects crawling up her leg and I went, ugh, out loud. <laughs> that was really good. I was going to say that was, you get yourself published, man. <laughs> Maybe one day. I'd love to see that adapted as a comic, actually. Yeah. If, any, if anyone out there um, would like to have a go at adapting that into a comic, <laughs> just get in touch with me. And... <laughs> but I would love to see that adapted as a comic. But yeah, I don't think I have the skill for that to, to turn it into a comic, but I'd love to see it adapted as a comic. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I had a go at doing that. And I, the idea was I was going to do one for each of you. <laughs> but um, I only managed to get that one done in the end. But yeah, there you go. So that was my little game for this Ice Cream Man episode. I, I thought I would try and emulate Ice Cream Man in some way and write my own little horror story. <laughs> hmm. I have to think about that one for next one because my I was going to tell you my favorite I think I've mentioned it on the cast before where we talked about ice cream flavors based on yeah. ice cream men I think yeah. in the past I said something biscotti like a biscotti gelato or something I was yeah. thinking about that I think like strawberry shortcake or strawberry cheesecake yeah. or whatever it is would be one of my favorites something that's a little bit sour a little bit sweet yeah but I don't a little bit sour a little bit sweet would be a good premise for a horror story so I'll give you. Well, I'll, give yeah, you to... I mean, I'll have a. I'll have a think about that, and I'll try and write one for next time. Cool. <laughs> but um, like that's the first time like I've written something and actually let anybody else read it. <laughs> so <laughs> like, as in like something fictional, like uh, and let anyone else read it. So yeah, or or even hear it. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna try and do that more often. I think because I quite like doing that. I like making horror stories, so maybe it'll become a permanent feature of Ace Comicals. Maybe I'll get. Maybe that'll be my New Year's resolution. Maybe I'll start writing my own horror stories and read them out at the end. That's a good one, man. <laughs> but, I like it. Yeah, but that has been uh, episode seventy nine, uh, and we were back in the sweet place. Um, so um, I've only got a couple of things to mention on the pull list. Um, League of Comic Geeks is broken. Surprise, surprise. Like, does that site ever completely work? Like, I haven't ever? used it in a long time, but it was... Uh, I'm trying to load it now, yeah. and with no dice, so yeah, maybe not. And there's an app, and the app's, like, woefully broken as well, so... Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's good when it works, it's great, it, it does what you want it to do, it keeps track of your comments collection and everything, but when it's not working, it's just, yeah, I mean, which is which is basically too often. But yeah, um, so the only things I really wanted to mention was the fact that Harrow County's been back and it's uh, Tales from Harrow County, Death's Choir. We had issue one just before Christmas, which dropped on the 18th of December. And issue two is coming out uh, when this podcast comes out, which is on the 15th, Wednesday. Now, um, what I'll do is I'll just give you the brief. So Harrow County is back. Award-winning Eisner-nominated Southern Gothic horror series return to the brand new story. Ten years have passed since Emmy, uh, Emmy exited Harrow County, leaving her close friend Bernice as steward of the supernatural home. 
But World War II is in full swing, taking Harrow's young men and leaving the community more vulnerable than ever. And when a ghostly choir heralds the resurrection of the dead, Benice must find a solution before the town is overrun. So, um, and that is like a, a new continuing story. Um, it's a mini series. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I love me some Harrow County. In fact, that's one of the things that I would love to discuss with you guys. I'd love for you guys to read Harrow County and for us to be able to do a deep dive like we've done today with Ice Cream Man. Because I feel that, I mean, it's 50 issues. It's a long old slog, but I feel you guys would really enjoy Harrow County. Yeah, it's been on my list for a while. So we, if we set that up, then I'm, I'll be sure to catch yeah. up in time for that. It's it's across eight volumes. It's well worth it. So yeah, I mean, um, other than that is Ice Cream Man 17 which is yeah, uh, yes. on the horizon. And um, I just wanted to, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to, to particular bring up particularly the cover for this comic because it's a riff on action comics, uh, action comics, number one with uh, Superman lifting the car. Oh, yeah. the famous one. Yeah. Yeah. Now the name of this one is Cape fear, um, which is actually one of my favorite films. Um, I like the De Niro Cape fear though. Hmm. Um, I don't know whether a lot of people are going to agree with me on that, but that's my favorite version of Cape Fear. But um, Cape Fear presented here as a handsome being from far away, uh, presented here, a handsome being from far away, rockets to earth and combats evil on our behalf. Tall fella, wears a cape, lives in a fortress, flirts with a reporter. A superating super something story that's certain to see you lose your supper. So I think what we're getting here is we're getting um, the style of writing is clearly going to be comics. <laughs> We're getting a Superman story, yeah. Uh, a riff on a Superman story through the lens of Ice Cream Man, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, and that comic is just absolutely gorgeous. Confection comics. It's like to die for. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've got like a, this, uh, we've, all, we've even got covers available now for 18 and 19 as well. So uh, 17's available on the 29th of January. Mm. 18 is uh, end of February and then 19 you're looking at like towards the end of March, but like the other two covers, um, they look great as well. Um, issue 18, uh, watch as it all recedes. The lights that line the hallway of your mind will blink off one by one. So that sounds like it's going to deal with Alzheimer's, like the fear of forgetting losing the yourself, fear of, yeah. yeah, the fear of losing yourself. And then, uh, Ice Cream Man number 19, Haunting for Beginners, Inside Step-by-Step -step Instructions to Becoming a Better Ghost. It includes <laughs> tips for more efficient apparitioning, how to invisibly observe, methods of spook improvement, notes see section six for safety warnings. So issue, issue 19 has this, um, it's kind of like an instruction manual look to it when you look at the cover. Um, and it's like this, uh, like how to, you know, how to be a ghost, like don your suit, roam invisibly, observe the living. And it's all kind of like even, it is like literally like an instructional poster. Uh, and there's a quote on there, you're more dead than alive. And um, there's, um, I just want to draw attention to the bit where it says here, what you'll need. Uh, one pair of kitchen scissors, one clean white bed sheet, a sense of your own insignificance, the propensity <laughs> to quietly wonder. So this is going to be about like, um, feeling invisible i assume mm. or it may be maybe a less simplistic way of putting it than that but yeah something along those lines um but it looks great and i'm looking very much forward to it and i just wanted to bring those up because we're doing an ice cream uncentric cast right now so uh yeah that has been uh ace comicals number 79 
Um, so you can find us at www.acecomicals.com, uh, which is kind of the hub for everything we do and all the places that we are visible and available, which is uh, Twitter under Ace Comicals. Uh, you can find us on Facebook under Ace Comicals, Instagram under Ace Comicals. We tend to be more on Twitter than we are anywhere else these days. Um, I don't like Facebook, so uh, I think you'll find us more active on Twitter. That's where we're the most active. If you want to interact with us, you want to message us, if you want to uh, get involved in the conversation, Twitter's the place to do it. Um, you can find me on Twitter under at Bato. That's B-A-T-T-O-U. Uh, you can also fire us an email to acecomicals at gmail.com uh, and we will get back to you. Um, Ray, uh, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Monkis. That's at M-O-O-N-K-E-H. And uh, Marv, where can we find you? Um, on Instagram under MarvLafayette84 or on Twitter at MarvinLafayette. Yeah, so uh, you can also just find us to listen to us in all the usual places, Apple uh, Podcast, CastBox, Castro, Overcast, PocketCast, uh, my favourite, which is Spotify, Stitcher and TuneIn. Um, and uh, if you feel, if you are that way inclined, uh, you can donate to us the price of a coffee to help keep the lights on here at Ace Comicals, uh, which is our Kofi site. So that's uh, kofi.com slash Ace Comicals. And you can send us the price of a coffee and uh any money we get on there goes towards keeping the show up and running um so yeah thanks for listening guys that says comicals over and out lickety split <laughs>